Is your identity caught up in your job title or rank instead of your name? In today's episode, our special guest, Topaz Navarro, shares his journey of how he went from being in the army to being in more of a state of flow with his mental fitness coaching, being a mental health advocate, and his up-and-coming podcast. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. And when you have finished listening to this episode, we invite you to check out even more amazing podcasts on the Lima Charlie Network. We are a group of podcasters and thought leaders with the goals of improving ourselves, inspiring and educating others, and bringing valuable conversations to both military and civilian audiences. So check us out at the LimaCharlieNetwork.com. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And while you're there, feel free to connect with me on all the social media links that are listed like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And today, my guest is the amazing Topaz, of course, I'm going to say it wrong, Navarro. Bingo. You got it. 100%. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Topaz. No, thank you for having me. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to Melissa Bloom for connecting us because who knew that our worlds were so close knit and didn't even know it yet. Yeah. She hit it out the park with this one. I mean, we were just having a conversation. So we're members of this great mental fitness collective and and we were just talking a little bit about ourselves. And she's like, you know what? I have someone I really want to link you up with. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And she, you know, she did the virtual introduction for us and it's, it's been phenomenal, you know, and, and I'm really appreciative that that kind of spark, you know, came to her in that moment. So that's awesome. Thank you. And we have other mutual people in common. So it's so funny to see like, oh, we're, we're supposed to be best friends. Our, our connections are together, right? Yeah. And this is what it's all about, right? It's a, it's a community. It's a collaborative of people that are working together, um, you know, to, to build and, and grow even grander, right? And to yes. help people to continue service for those who've served, right, is, is part of my purpose and, and really to society as a whole. You know, 
I love it. I love it. I love it. And so I can't wait to dive in. But first, I want to tell all the people who you are, read your your bio, because you have this phenomenal story. So I can't wait to dive in. But for those of you who don't know, Topaz Navarro is the owner of Escape Velocity Academy, a coaching business that works specifically with minority male military veterans between the ages of 35 and 50 who suffer from a loss of community and the fear and uncertainty resulting from their military separation. At Escape Velocity Academy, the message is that growth is a direction, not a destination. And the path to authentic happiness is all about trajectory. And I can't wait to talk more about that. And he also is a army veteran, served for 25 years. He's a mental health advocate, mental fitness coach, as he had just mentioned, and a father. He is also the founder and executive director of Work Play Obsession All In Foundation. It is a mental health nonprofit organization that leverages recreational activities to address and heal the wounds of trauma. The nonprofit serves as a both a peer support and post-service community as its members to bond over shared experience, workplay, home, obsession. And you can connect with him on his website at escapevelocityacademy.com. And of course, that will be in the show notes as always. So Topaz, gosh, there's so much, so much to dive into. So I'm getting excited. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Oh, wow. Wow. That, so, you know, I want to begin that answer with time, right? Mm. Because to me, that is our most precious resource, right? Is time. And when you value another person's time and you share time with another person, um, the impact of that is, is immeasurable, right? Um, so when we talk about influencing people, right? It's not about one second of motivation or five minutes of inspiration, right? Um, From this coaching perspective, right? It's to help elicit these beliefs that are already within, right? And this relationship as as a coach, I am not the expert. The individual themselves, they are the expert. And my job is not to pass on my experience as from as an expert and say, this is what you should do because personality doesn't scale. Right. We're all different from our experiences and our expectations. And as an to influence to me is to say, hey, let me ask questions to ask thought provoking questions to get you, the individual on the other side, to realize the potential that's within the barriers that are in front of us or whatever this limiting belief is that's holding us back. So to influence is to like almost to open someone's eyes, right, to create um this avenue for them to have impact, to identify this path so that they can, what we said earlier, establish upward trajectory on this on this path to the second mountain is what I talk about. I, I love it. You mentioned time. So, um, you know, investing in time in another person is, you know, really so many different things from coaching to mentoring to just listening. It might be just a one time opportunity uh, to listen and give that person space to just express whatever it is that they need to express. So I'm just kind of curious because I I know, you know, we are kind of, we are who we reflect, right? We Mm -hmm. are who we see. Mm -hmm. So was there someone in particular that you can recall that really invested time into you? 
Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I, it's really tough to say, you know, um, I've had a lot of great leaders, you know, um, in 25 years of military service, right. You have that, you have that, that, that opportunity to spend time with a lot of people and some people will truly spend time with you and care and listen, connect, you know, through communication. Um, I have um, a few great NCOs, you know, who I'm still friends with that I've been friends with for 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes when we, we just sit down and talk, right. And have these conversations, you have these micro epiphanies, right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call them. Yeah. And, and you kind of just store those in your mind, you know, and I really couldn't, you know, that's a great question. Cause I couldn't, I really couldn't pinpoint one person right now because I've had such fabulous relationships with a lot of people. Um, my best friend right now, he impacts his presence impacts my life way more than he knows because he listens more than he provides information on the other side. Mm. So just by listening and reflecting back, which he doesn't realize that he does this, which is funny when he listens to this, he'll be like, Oh my gosh, I do that. Like he's, he's provided me so much um, information that's helped me grow. So he's retired now. His name is, his name's Patrick Boucher. He lives out in, in Washington state. So we're on opposite sides of the country. So we haven't seen each other actually in years, but we talk every day. We're like two little girls. Although I think that's probably kind of sexist to say, but we're kind of <laughs> like, you know, where we get on the phone and we're like, yap, yap, yap about everything. And um, yeah, it's really that listening, mm-hmm. you know, relationship and sharing experiences and understanding um, the other person's expectations. Right. So you build this phenomenal relationship. Mm, I love that. I love that. So you mentioned NCOs and for our non-military listeners, NCOs is non-commissioned officers. Yes, that's correct. I apologize. I apologize. No, that's okay. I, don't do that. I just have to make sure to clarify because I'm that person that I, I'm around so many military friends and they fly off with their acronyms. I'm like, wait, 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 slow down. What, what, what? I have to make, <laughs> I got to understand how that sentence made sense in my head. So let me tell me all the Tell me all the whatever thing you said. So, yeah. um, yeah, So I, what I find is so fascinating is that support, you know, is really what we're talking about. You talked about time investing in people and it's really about finding people that you can lean on for support that you can also kind of go to and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. And you know, no matter what, that they're going to give you a hundred percent authenticity of you know, that's probably not a good idea. Or yeah. they're going to give you the straight, the straight, the straight skivvy, right? Like they're going to shoot, shoot it straight on. And it's so important to have those kind of support connections. So uh, growing up, take us back. Did you always have support? Did you, did you lack that? And now you, you know that it's important as an adult, or did you always have it? And it was just a given that you were going to have support system around you. You know, that's a, that's a great question, and it's pretty interesting, right? Because you you slice it a few di- a few different ways. But let me go back a second. And one thing that I say now very often, you know, as I say, fellowship is what keeps us alive. Mm, yes. Right. Especially when we start to look at um, d- mental illness, we look at depression, we look at um, suicidal ideation, and it's 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 community and it's fellowship that keeps us alive, eliminating, reducing the stigma associated with mental illness, and. One of the three universal psychological um, needs is relatedness, you know, and that's community and that's fellowship and that's 
all these things we talk about. So to go back to your question, right? So I had, you know, two brothers, a sister growing up. My parents were very supportive. Um, I had a, we have an interesting dynamic in my family. If you were to sit around there and, and watch us interact, but we know that at the root of everything, we're, we're there for one another, right? So there's, there's that piece on the family side was, was it was a good solid foundation. Um, I'm a little unique. Well, not me, but the people within my organization are a little unique because I've been in the same organization for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've been in a special operations organization for 20 years. So a lot of the people within that organization, you know, and you build these really strong bonds with over the course of 20 years. Mm-hmm. However, I will also add that once you step off of that train, right, that's going a thousand miles an hour for operations, once you step off, you're, you're kind of alone at that point, mm. you know? So then you realize, and this is what happened to me when I turned around and looked back, I realized those connections were really built on the job, right? Operations. Yes. yes. Right. And we talk about this in the transition process is when you're identifying that new identity, it's what is that? I call it um, social support network, peak mm. performance network. What does that look like? Right. And have I developed that while I was in service? Because a lot of us don't, because we feel such a strong connection to our operational element that once we step away, we're a little lost, Mm -hmm. you know? So what I've spent the last essentially 24 months doing is building this new support network. Now, some some people did transition with me. You know, I have a few friends that I'm still um, close with that I served with. But at the same time, a lot of my network looks very different, very different. So I've gone through this kind of journey mm-hmm. of this, you know, social support network. You know, so it's very interesting. Well, I think you brought up a good point. So just from my own experience and kind of adding it to what you said. So let's pretend that we go through, <clears throat> well, I'm not pretending we do. We go through these phases of life, right? Where people are either in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And so if your family, you grew up having support, more than likely you're automatically going to have support because it's just who you are naturally, right? So for me, I didn't have support. So I literally had to seek and find it. However, because you automatically had support because you asked or because you went into the military and we'll get into that, excuse me, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. You were in the military and you're like, oh, here we are. We're a family. So now you're looking at your transition. Like, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. And it's so crucial that we really look for people outside of our normal circles Right. Because again, we're looking for people who are real refine us, you know, iron sharpens Mm -hmm. iron. We're trying to get refinement at this stage in our life. Now we can, in order to figure out what our next identity is. So I love that you touched on that. So I'm, I'm curious. So what made you when you were, you know, growing up, did you always know from, you know, childhood on that you wanted to be into the the army or did you have family or did you, you know, do we, did you have a different route? Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Because I always, I don't know why I seem to lead with that now. It's interesting, right? It was, but that's like, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second, but it's kind of like coaching, right? Where they say one way that you can identify a good coach is with you ask them a question and their initial response is it depends. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yes. it's everything, right? So when someone's always a straight shooter, so for me, when I hear a question, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because yep. I'm kind of thinking about it, you know, formulating this thought. But I, sorry, I went on a tangent, but so I did not originally think that I was going to join the military. Um, I was a decent athlete. I had decent grades. So I was going to go to college, uh, soccer, academic type scholarships. And then um, I decided to join the National Guard because I wanted a little bit of autonomy, weird autonomy, because the military doesn't give you that, but from my family, right? So yeah. that that sort of autonomy. Um Joined the National Guard, came back from there, but I was living back at home because I was in the National Guard only doing, you know, one weekend a month, two weeks a year. So I decided to join active duty. Mm-hmm. Um, a little while in, I started to realize, wow, this military thing is really um, part of my family, part of my family's mm-hmm. history. So my grandfather served in the Korean War. Um, um, he was wounded in the Korean War. Um, he actually got shot, um, during operations, you know, he, he survived. Um, but that there was my grandfather, my, my aunt retired from the army after 20 plus years. I have an uncle who served in the Marines. My brother served in the, in the national guard and also deployed my cousin, my ex-wife served in, 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 in the army as well. Like my son is a West point graduate now at this mm-hmm. point. I have um, a nephew who's in, I have a niece who's looking to get it. So this is like, just as yeah. it's become a part of, of, of who we are, you know, and it, it, I didn't realize a lot of that until I kind of looked back and reflected on it. And now we're, we're moving that forward, but I fell in love with the job, mm. you know, I fell in love with the job and, and, and probably not this discussion. It'll be a discussion on a later day, but part of falling in love with that job and that, mystique and that aura of the post 9-11 hero mm-hmm. right yeah really the post 9-11 heroes right i started to drink that kool-aid mm. and like i said it's a conversation for an, for another story or for another day but that's where i began to travel down this road of my own moral injuries and my own uh bad decisions mm. that got me to where i am now because i fell in love with the job so much that i without that strong foundation of, of morals, values, ethics, et cetera. Um, I, I got lost. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, but the military has been a phenomenal experience for me and, and, and it still runs, runs, you know, throughout my family. And I'm, I'm really happy for that. The legacy continues. I love that. And let's, uh, let's just go for it. Let's just dive into that a little bit more. So you made bad decisions. I don't know about you, but I was a troublemaker. (laughs) And so I was a a teenage alcoholic. And so I had all kinds of bad, I know all about bad decisions. I think I co-authored a book about it once or something. Um, (laughs) So what, you know, tell us about your bad decisions and what the job was in the military that really kind of replaced your mindset and able to make better decisions. Yeah. I, I think I'll start from the end, from, from the, at the end first, like what helped me make better decisions was um, to see the impact mm. um, on others. Right. So I lost two friends, two teammates, two coworkers to suicide um, within the span of like 40 days. Wow. You know? Um, and the, the impact um, not only, I mean, obviously to the, to the, to the victims, right. But to the families, to the spouses, to the dependents, to the military community, 
you realize something needs to change, right? And it begins with self, right? Mm-hmm. Self-awareness and vulnerability, yes. right? To yes. to reflect on the decisions that you've made. But then with that also, you need to have grace, right? Mm-hmm. Have grace for yourself to recognize, hey, um, I've made poor decisions, I've made mistakes, and I need to learn and grow from them, right? So starting at the end, but um, just to stay on the surface a bit is my problems began with, like I said, you begin to believe what everyone says. Yes. Right. And you you start to take that for truth. And when you begin this deployment cycle, right, of deployed and at home, deployed and at home, deployed and at home, I, I tell people that you begin to look at your time at home as like a honeymoon period, right? Mm. Because you're kind of like, I'm leaving again in X amount of days. I'm leaving mm-hmm. again in six months or whatever the case may be. And that relationship never really solidifies to the to that solid foundation again. Mm-hmm. Because in the back of the service member's mind is I'm leaving again. You know? And in the family's mind too is he's leaving again. So that gel that never really truly becomes that cohesive unit once again. You know, when you do that over the course of 15 years, mm-hmm. right? It's just this, this continuous uncertainty, right? And then at the same time, you, my problems, you know, I say your, my problems became, became, hey, this is the only thing that's important because I got to deploy again, right? I don't care what you guys are dealing with. You're not going, you don't have to deploy soon. You don't have to go do this job. You don't have to put your life in danger. You know, what? whatever I'm dealing with is what's important, right? And then you have society too, and you have military, the way the military does some things where, you know, last month, November, we recognized the month of the military of the caregiver, mm-hmm. right? But traditionally, people don't t- pay attention to the caregiver. It's like, oh, the service member is coming right. home. Give the service member this. Give the service member that. The service member is dealing with this. Put all your attention here. Put all your focus here. And we begin to believe that. We begin to, you know, take that. You you have this community of... um we call them professional veterans, right? <laughs> that are like, <laughs> give me this, give me this, give me that. And you become that to a point, to a degree mm. where, and I did that, where the needs of my spouse were put aside for my own personal needs, mm. right? If you come home and your spouse is dealing with depression or your spouse needs a break, um, because they've been with the children for the all the time that you were gone. And your first response is, well, what about me? I'm the one that was gone. Or the, the military says, I need to do this, that, or the other. It takes a toll. Yeah. Right? Um, so that was, that became, you know, the norm for me. You know, and it, it just, dero- it, 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 it significantly impacted our relationship, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So yeah, it was a whole lot, a whole lot of that, you know, and it took me a long time um, to realize that I put that burden on the relationship. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. There's something so profound in vulnerability um, and I couldn't even say that, believe me, I couldn't even say that word 13 years mm-hmm. ago. It was like a foreign concept to me being, being vulnerable. Um, 
And there's times I still stumble over it. I was so emotionally cut off mm-hmm. from people that it was all absorbed, self-absorbed. And kind of what you're talking about is you kind of go through life looking at through the lens of one, all the limiting beliefs, like you said, that people have told you you're looking at it as truth, but two, also as um, what about me? That, mm-hmm. that phrase, that's such a great phrase to think about is that you're looking at the lens of, well, what about me? And myself, I was doing that. And instead of asking for what it is I needed, instead of saying, hey, I need, I need a break. I need attention. I need, you know, whatever. Instead of doing that, it was really just kind of putting expectations on the other person mm. and being like, how could they not know that I need this? How could they, Mm -hmm. why didn't they remember that I have this going on? And it's like, oh, well, we're human. Right. And so for me now with my coaching clients, that's one of the things that, you know, we talk about often is you are expecting the other person to know things that you've never told them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's always like inviting them to dinner and then, um, being mad because they didn't show up, but you didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And um, what you just said is really that whole dynamic of lack of communication because you, we're not, we're never taught growing up how to ask for what we need. When we, when we were a baby, we cried and there was, you know, you know, change a diaper feed or, you know, attention that like literally the three things. Mm-hmm. And so think about it from a standpoint of, you know, in our own lives going forward, how much we have to learn. And when you are ready, I feel like the teacher, I always say this, like when the student is ready, the teachers appear. Yes. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and when the student is ready, when, when the teacher is ready, the students appear. So you've talked about your coaching business. So how did you decide that while you're in the army, you're like, you know what, I'm going to become a coach. How did that, what did that thought process and, and, and actual process, how did that go for you? Yeah, I was having a lot of great conversations with people, you know, and, and people were, were interested in the discussions we had, you Mm -hmm. know, and they would follow up and they'd ask me more questions. They continue to contact me or we'd have phone calls or just, really lengthy discussions or someone would send me a message and say, Hey, thank you. This really helped me. Um, that was on one side. And the other side was, I really wanted to help people. Yeah. Right. And I felt like, and, and then a part of it became studying, right. A lot of studying um, and reading and, and realizing, man, these, the things that I began to stumble upon, I thought these, these things can really help military veterans, mm. you know, and they can really help people in general. But right, the whole from the business aspect, right, you got you have to niche down so that you can reach, you know, right. So that 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 kind of hurt a little bit because as a coach, you just want to help everyone. Right. Right. But then you have to kind of put yourself in a box to begin with. But so what I began to recognize, and I think I was sitting in in some seminar and you know, they identified these or th- from their study research, they said there are three gaps, right? That that as a separating service member you're going to face the information gap, the imagination gap and the confidence gap. Right. Mm. And what the, the military transition service does, or used to be SFL tab, uh, soldier for life transition assistance program, 
what they do a good job of is addressing the information gap, right? Mm -hmm. They will help you write a resume. They will help you be prepared to dress for your interview. They'll help Mm -hmm. you sit through an interview, things of those natures, the information gap, right? Get on LinkedIn. Here's how you build a LinkedIn profile. All that's great. That is one of the gaps, the information gap, right? But they don't do a good job of addressing the Im- imagination gap or the confidence gap or what we like to talk about socio-psychological skills and the socio-psychological gap or the, the impacts, right? Mm-hmm. Just what we talked about earlier, building your new support network, right? Identifying purpose and meaning, mm-hmm. identifying what these limiting beliefs or fears are that you have, right? Fear is at the base of everything that you yes. do, right? Yes. Humans are designed excuse me, by nature, that's how we are. That's Mm -hmm. our survival mechanism, right? And the program doesn't do a good job of that. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I was reading an article and it's, it's, it's um, transition stress, right? They've identified Mm -hmm. as the number one thing that impacts separating service members, right? Loss of purpose, loss of identity, increased conflict with family and friends, employment troubles, and then the everyday challenges associated with making significant life changes, right? And we like to clump all those up as, oh, this mental illness, right? Oh, it's post-traumatic stress. And it's it's anxiety, depression, hypervigilance, all these things that combine to create this transition stress. And then there's what I like to talk about, the fear of practicality, right? Where if I did job X in the military, my family and friends are all going to expect me to do job X when I get out. Mm. Or if my friend Bob retired from the military and got a job making X amount of dollars, my family and friends expect me to get out and do the same job and make the same exact amount of money. Right. So what does a service member do? It's this fear of practicality. If they can't do that, then they kind of start, they begin to fall into this depression, anxiety, and this, this stress cycle again, or they can find the job that does that, but they're not happy there. So then once again, stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, and it's all the same, right? It almost feels like the transition process, their goal is to check a box that says you have a yes. job, right. right? Right. We don't care what the job is, right. but you have a job. Success, we're, we're going to wipe our hands mm-hmm. and move on. And that's, a, that's the wrong answer, you know? So that that's why... Um, and we're pretty long winded answer, but that's what continued to drive me into coaching because I believe that, like you stated earlier, it's all growth is a, is a direction, right? Not a mm-hmm. destination. And, and I'm focused on second mountain principles. So the first mountain is about resume virtues, right? Getting a job and getting these job skills and, and this competence that gets you those, those, those resume virtues to get that job, to get those extrinsically motivated things like mm-hmm. money and fame and cars and houses. But the second mountain is based on eulogy virtues, right? Mm-hmm. The things that um, intrinsic motivation, where your purpose, your meaning overlaps with some problem in society or some mm-hmm. problem in your community and how you combine those two in service to other people. And that's where I want people to be directed for, because if you can overlap whatever job you do with that purpose and meaning you have in life, you're going to be happy, mm-hmm. right? You're going to start to find joy, right? Cause joy is what we're aiming for, right? Happiness is fleeting, but we want to have joy. Yeah. And um, it's all about trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. We lose, we lose sight of what we call this time lap time lapse between cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Not realizing that 
what we do today may not manifest for a few days or a few weeks. And we have to have patience, you know? So that's why I love coaching. This is a, I'm a flow coach as well, right? So we talk Mm -hmm. about flow, this Mm -hmm. neurological state where we feel our best and we perform our best, right? I'm a member of the Flow Research Collective. And for me, having conversations like this, it's a micro flow state for me, right? It's, it's selflessness, timelessness, effortless, richness of this moment that we're in right now. I feel all those things right now. And um, there's a great podcast. I'm really getting long-winded, but there's a great podcast um, that just came out from the Flow Research Collective. Um, so the, the man who we call the godfather of flow, Mihai mm-hmm. Csikszentmihalyi, just passed away recently. So there are a few podcasts um, you know, commemorating all his contributions to flow science. And what we're finding is that the meaning of life is maximizing our mini flow states or flow states or micro flow states. Yes. So the more often we can access flow, that is essentially the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that the other day, Stephen Kotler said on a podcast the other day, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Because when you're in a flow state, you, you forget about 99% of everything mm-hmm. else going on around you. You're focused and directed towards that 1% of what you're doing in the moment. Like I'm focused on you right now and mm-hmm. our conversation, focusing on what we can control. And I'm so happy right now. I'm so excited. I'm in this micro flow state right now, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is, that's the meaning. That's the meaning of life, priming our life so we can access micro flow states pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, so many nuggets in there. So I'm just going to start pulling them out. So a friend of mine actually was also in that flow uh, state program as well. And we'll talk about that off, off, off recording, but, <laughs> but what's so, I love it so much because it's what you talked about was, you know, the flow state for me is like exactly what you said is, is being in the, to me as being in the moment. Yes. Right. And being fully a hundred percent present in what you're doing. And every interview, I feel like I am fully present coaching the same thing. You're having that amazing conversation and you're, I'm just, I love what your, your name of your foundation. I'm all in, right. I'm like fully focused and there's something so uh, profound when we look at how fear shows up in each person, right? Because it shows up so completely different. And you mentioned fear and the limiting beliefs. And, you know, fear is fight, flight, freeze. And then please, we have the people pleasing aspect of it, where we're, you know, you talked about serving. So it's almost like we go to the extreme of people pleasing, where we're forgetting to put our mask on first, like they say on the airplane. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not coming from a place of overflow. It's coming from a place of lack. And we'll do that as how fear shows up because that's how our brain is wired. So I know we talked about trauma a little bit, but trauma is the event that happened that our brain stores and fear is how it interprets that trauma. And so going forward, <laughs> you know, we're talking about or we're talking about growth, you know, let's start changing the narrative from post-traumatic stress disorder to post-traumatic growth. So now how can you take what you've been through, all of the modalities that you've been seeking, 
searching and that you've automatically maybe been given because of, you know, maybe it was time in the, in the military that they just gave you things. And let's now work together and figure out how to move you forward and what forward looks like for you. That's where growth really lies. It's not growth. It's not Topaz's growth compared to my growth, right? It's just your growth. And for me, it just a, a something that happened to me that seems so uh, little, but it was so profound to me in the moment. So you mentioned about transition stress. So I, I worked with the Dean of Psychology in um, a local university here on mindfulness. And the three biggest stressors are death of a loved one, divorce, and moving. <laughs> and military, that happens a lot, right? Yes. So yes. think about that. And now then to add all of those, those stresses on for however many time you're in the military, and then you have the transition of changing jobs, which is number four, right? Wow. So that is just huge in itself. So now I'm at the point where I'm transitioning. I am moving to a different state. I am transitioning jobs, all, all the careers, all of, all of the things. And I'm literally looking at my bedroom to start packing. It's a bedroom, spare bedroom slash office slash throw stuff in there, close the door kind of a thing. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm literally standing in there one day and I froze. I stood there overwhelmed with all of the things that's in there and I froze. And I stood there for maybe two minutes. But finally, I was like, like snap out of it, like just pick up something. And so I'm, I'm glad for my own personal reasons that I have, you know, also know every, all the things from mindfulness to flow state to the fearless to be, you know, back into my essential nature and just, and, and proactive behaviors of just go, like, just pick up something, just move yeah because emotions that we get caught up in sometimes and overthinking is also one of those things that we get caught up in, right? overwhelm is something we caught up in the limiting beliefs, the imposter syndrome we get caught up in all the time. Right. And it's, unless you're aware of it, you don't even know it's happening. So I love that you talked about awareness because it's so crucial for us to like really understand what our own process is. And that's what I, I really, you know, wanted to talk to you because I know that you're doing that and all the different things that you're bringing into the table and especially being active, there is something about, you know, emotion is energy in motion. Yes. And there is something about when you're active and moving and they can literally be anything, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. walking or me just picking up something like bending over and picking up something was got me out of that, that overwhelm, got me out of that fear, got me out of that procrastination, got me out of that mindset and the emotional freezing of it. And just got me right into going, okay, got it. I just need to pick up something and move. Now, so, you, you say, yeah, you, I'm sorry. You just hit no, on something that's, that's yeah. huge. So what, so you hit on something huge, right? So I mentioned the mental fitness collective earlier. Um, and I've recently begun studying this mental fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, great book, mental fitness by Sean Talbot, Talbot. And they talk about the, um, the brain heart gut connection, yes, right? Yes. And this axis and there's no mental health without physical health. And exactly yes. what you hit on is moving, right? And then the mental health, the, the, the chemical effects that it has on your body that helps with mood and vice versa. Right. So it's, 
when you started to talk about this, I started thinking about, oh man, there's mental fitness. And just, I just wanted to bring that up so that if people are, are listening, they do a little research on mental fitness mm-hmm. and how the, the gut microbiome and the, the electrical impulses from the heart impact our mood mm-hmm. and our thoughts and our behaviors. It's so huge. And I'm, I'm an infant in this study, you know, so I'm learning about this as we go, but it's just reading this one book alone, a few chapters of it, my mind was completely blown. And I was like, okay, movement and mental health. We've, we've known it, right? Mm-hmm. But now some people don't take action without, you know, science and a lot of stuff to research behind it. This will help you um, make more strides in that direction. So I love that. I love that. Well, I love that you mentioned that. In fact, I'm going to have to write that down and start listening to it myself. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm or actually talking about mental fitness is that I think people forget that we do have those three circuits, right? <sighs> They're like, oh no, it's just one. And for me, it's like, okay, so when I coach people, I'm always asking, so what does your body say? You know, what does your mind say? What is your, how do you feel about that? And then what is your body saying? Like, where is it showing yes. up in your body? Because I really think that people are like, well, I think, I think, I think, I think. And then they'll go, oh, I feel, I feel, I feel. And it's like, okay, all that's great. But yet there's this key component that we don't even talk about that you're right. The, the gut health is important. And it's important for this reason right here to trust your instinct of yes. that gut reaction of, yeah. Oh, I, sh- I shouldn't go there. Oh, I should, I should take this risk or, Oh, I should, you know, invest in this company or I should, you know, whatever your, your risk is, is that you're, you have to learn to listen to your gut reaction of. Yeah. And, and the science, the science is beginning, like I said, mental fitness is a great resource is beginning to show this, right? Uh, there's a part in there where it talks about uh, the brain, right? And you talk about the prefrontal cortex. It is the last area to actually process the moment mm-hmm. your gut and your heart process the moment first and send those signals up the vagus nerve to the brain and it receives it last. So when you say, I think, I think it's like, Hey, your gut and your heart's already telling you what's going on. Your brain's getting that signal last and kind of putting it all together because we tend to think, right? So mm-hmm. it's so interesting that you, that you say that, which is amazing. I wanted to go back to one thing because as service members, especially as transitioning veterans, right? You spend this career, I like to say, operating on the edge of burnout, Mm. right? We operate on the edge of burnout. That's just a pace of life in the military. Mm -hmm. And then because of these limiting beliefs and fears, we jump right into another career. Yes. Some people people even start their first job on what was terminal leave before they're even out of the military. Yes. So when do you allow your body to return to homeostasis, right? right? To address, and this is why we address at Escape Velocity Academy, one of the pillars that we address first is we say investment, investing in ourselves so that we can invest in others. And our investment is in the form of looking at how we sleep, sleep hygiene. We look at how we eat. We look at um, how we breathe and we look at you know mindfulness. All of these things come first. Yes. Then we can get you back to a state where your stress levels are back to where they should be, right? Because we don't realize that because we've been operating at burnout for years. Mm-hmm. So we go back and address all these things. And then we jump into all the other things that we need to kind of establish or maintain this upward trajectory. Because once you get sleep right, 
you know, you're already going to be on an upward trajectory once you get sleep right. And then once you get um, your diet correct. And diet is not only food, right? Diet is what we read, right? Mm -hmm. Well, anything that we consume is diet. And some people get fixated on the the food portion of it. But once again, we just talked about our three brains, Mm -hmm. you know, the gut brain, the heart brain, and the brain that's in our head. So I love that. I love that. Well, and I love that you, um, what you just mentioned, because it's bringing me back to survival mode. You called it on the edge of burnout. And I'm like, yes, that's survival mode, especially when you've been in position where you're literally having to survive day in and day out. And mind you, that might not be at war, right? That might be in your house, that might be, you know, in a job that you're you're not happy with and you're just yes. trying to get through till retirement. You know, like people are like, oh, like can't wait till retirement. It's like, what about how about you can't wait till tomorrow? <laughs> like, yeah. let's forget about retirement. Let's focus on tomorrow yeah. or today. How about you're excited about today? And there's something about you're so re- so spot on with the rest recover to reset. Yes. I love that. And it's, it's so important that we overlook it of, well, I just need to jump into the next thing because I have bills to pay and I have this and I have that. And it's like, okay, so let's start out with finding you a safety net first. And then you can really go, okay, I'm safe. I don't need to survive. I can rest and reset. I can recover and then I can start and then I can reset in order to move forward. And it's so, gosh, I, this is again, obviously our listeners can tell Topaz and I could talk for days on this <laughs> because we're both so passionate about it. And because of my own situation, I was in an abusive relationship for 12 years. And when I got out, I had no idea that I had been in survival mode my entire mm-hmm. life. It yeah. was just an extension. Like that abusive relationship was just an extension of what I had already been through. So it was just fascinating to be able to take time to rest, to recover, and then be able to reset to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I, there's something, I don't even know, profound when you're looking at life of, I'm just waiting to die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're just living from a place of, it is what it is today. I'm going to wake up, do the same thing, like Groundhog Day, right? Like yeah. that movie, I, I, that's I, just a repeat. Yeah. And when I hear people say, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what does what does that even mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's something to that same effect where you're like, no, there, you have to exactly like you said, rest to recover and a reset. And and I don't, I struggle with when people have the thought that more is always the solution, mm-hmm. right? And when you have a conversation with a transitioning or separating service member it's very difficult for them to accept the idea of, Hey, if you're concerned, whether it's financially um, or, or, or yeah, financially, it's like, it's not always about making more, right? If you sit down and take a hard look, what can you do without? Mm-hmm. Right. And people really, really struggle with that, but that's part of resetting, Right. I mean, if you're constantly going back to fear, like we talked about earlier, sorry, when everything we do is measured in dollars and cents Mm -hmm. or likes and follows, you're going to live your entire life in fear. Yes. Right. So 
you have to let people explore that concept, that get back to the root and the base of fear and saying, what are you afraid of if you don't have cable? Right. (laughs) Right. What are you afraid of if you can't buy a new car in two years? Mm -hmm. Like what, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's what people need to look at. They're like, oh no, I have to, the, the army does this thing. They say, here's how much you have to make to maintain your current quality of life. Like they open with that. Mm-hmm. So you're immediately putting people in a state of fear from right. day one of separation. Right. They say, oh, taxes are going to be higher. Mm-hmm. Oh, this portion that you get from the military is not taxed. Oh, this that you get from the military is, is not going to be free when you're a civilian. So you have to make this much to be able to maintain your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of 10, it's more than what you're making at that present moment. Sure. But they never, ever advise people on, hey, here are some of the things that you could evaluate and say, do I really need these things right now as I make this transition? And I've said that to people and they're like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. I've had commanders tell me, I can't tell my troops that. I can't, I can't share that message. That's wrong. And I'm like, you're putting people in a state, in a state of fear. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Well, and it just goes back to what we, what you said earlier about what we consume, you know, the news puts people in a state of fear, the media, anything that's about, you know, all the, all the horribleness that's going on in the world. You know, there's no money in, in good, good, happy things, right? (laughs) There's there's only money in drama. So think about that when you watch the news. Topaz, it is our time is literally coming to an end and that we still have uh, a few more questions to uh, talk about. But I am just so thankful for you taking time out of your busy schedule and being here. And like I said, as you can see, we could talk for for days. So how can um, you know, well, how can people connect with you? How are they uh, your website, social media? And and I want you to add what's next coming up next for you in the next phase of life. Yeah. So, um, um, the escape velocity coach on Instagram, I'm very active on there. Um, people can send me a direct message on there or people can email me at topaz at the escape velocity coach, um, or topaz at escape velocity academy.com. Sorry. Got that one confused. Topaz at escape velocity academy.com. Email me there anytime. Um, the website, um, is escape velocity academy.com. Pretty simple. Um, but yeah. Um, escape velocity coach on Instagram is my main, my main thing. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, Topaz Navarro. So not a lot of Topazes out there. Um, and then escape velocity Academy also has a page on LinkedIn and likewise on Facebook, um, escape velocity Academy on, on Facebook. So all those are good. Um, very active on all of them. I love to talk to people. That's my micro flow state. Please send me a direct message and we can chat. Please email me. I will definitely email you back. Um, and what's coming up. So working on a new podcast, a new series with uh, my good friend, Olivia Nunn, a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called calm in the storm. So we're on Instagram. It's calm dot in dot the dot storm only because that's been taken by right. everybody. Right. Um, calm, calm in the storm. So it's pretty cool. We're, we're talking about navigating, uh, life storms and the lessons that are revealed in the calm. So, well, I'm um, so excited for this for you. And I love Olivia. So this and, and the two of you together, I'm sure are going to have so much to say. So I can't wait to, to tune into that. 
No, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, this was great. This was fun. You know, of course, dropping into flow with our conversation is is always nice. Um, and I really appreciate it. Well, and thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your, your knowledge, your wisdom. And um, I have one more question before you go. Sure. Uh, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Yeah. Um, wow. For me, life is all about trajectory, right? We talked about it before. Life is all about trajectory. Once you have upwards trajectory, it's all about patience, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. And the other one is fellowship is what keeps us alive. I so, love it. Continue to serve, continue to be active in your community and and, and community over competition. Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Topaz. Uh, the, the, there was nuggets everywhere. So hopefully our, no, our listeners you. were taking notes. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People. Like I said, Topaz dropped some major knowledge nuggets. So hopefully you weren't driving as as we were talking and you were taking notes. And if you did, go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up. You know, most people go through life aiming at nothing and hit it with amazing accuracy. And they find themselves just feeling stuck in a rut, wondering if this is all there is. And I'm here to tell you, no, it is not. And life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. So check out beyondtherut.com and listen to episodes of other people who are also feeling stuck in a rut, asking themselves the same questions you are around their faith, their family, their fitness, their finances, and just their outlook on future possibility. And there, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired to make your own path and live life beyond the rut. So again, go check out beyondtherut.com where you can find blog posts and podcast episodes, as well as some tools to help you design the targets you wish to hit in life in those five F's, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. Because again, life is too dang short to live it stuck in a rut. Now go check it out. Beyond the rut. (laughs) (laughs) That is done. It's yours.